So our first podcast recording ever on Zencaster. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> which means we no longer need OBS, hopefully, uh, or to do this on Google Meet, which should make things a lot easier to, to produce and record and not have to run into technical difficulties. Uh, but it was yeah, funny. I wanted to call something else that that was really funny because last episode, the cold open was uh, we're getting bad reviews and we're sad. <laughs> and then right before we recorded this, Cody goes, hey, we got another bad review. <laughs> and unfortunately, the worst part about that is like we don't know what to do better. It's just we just get one star reviews with no context. And we're like, OK, guess we'll do something different. <laughs> Yeah, I brought up too. I think they, I think we're mixing crowds. It reminds me a lot of uh, what the AF when they were what the AF before they became stacked marketer because I was still in you know the affiliate scene uh, when I first started paying attention to them, but I was still working in my day job, which was very it's not corporate, but just clean, right? Uh, so I shared it with them, and when I did that, there was like twenty five signups. <laughs> that I sent within an hour. So much that they got caught in their spam filters. And I can't remember soon there. It so was you got that, you got the, that, you got that reward that like referral reward, like the first day you sent that. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was cool. <laughs> it was nice. But you know, it, everybody I had sent it to, they didn't know anything about the affiliate world. Uh, and that kind of uh, set up with marketing. So they were very white collar, clean cut. And, you know, the switch to stacked marketer, I think kind of showed that. And I think that's what they were going for because they noticed that they were getting a lot more of that crowd. Just the, I'm a digital marketer, but I'm not in the, uh, I don't even know how to describe the crowd. It's just the affiliate surrounding sort of thing, which is it's developed into crypto and e-com and drop shipping and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know if I don't know if we're listening or if we're getting people who are in that or if we're getting the people who are in a either in a marketing agency or they're in-house uh, or neither or none of the above. And they're just uh, I am thinking about starting my own agency and I don't have any experience, that sort of thing. So it's kind of hard to narrow it down when we've still got a pretty wide net as to what exactly is the most beneficial and helpful to everybody. Based on the people who reach out, it's people who are starting their own agency or doing some sort of um, thing with that. But when we get ratings, we have no idea who is doing it or what they're looking for. So, um, so I figured we'd try a couple of things. One cutting our cold opens to less than five minutes and then also to just kind of focus on kind of positive positivity and moving the, the industry forward um, or moving, you know, helping move you forward um, without trying to, to tear any other business models down. Um, That's awesome. If you don't, <laughs> we'll try. I also hate myself. So um, when I get negative criticism, I was, I, I do a lot of self-reflection and just um, being sad, but um this was, I finally invited Cody to my Trello board of podcast ideas. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I invited him a long time ago. Cody finally joined it. Um, I did that today. Yes. Like uh, half an so, hour ago. <laughs> so even. he went through my, my hundreds of ideas of episodes, and he picked one that he really liked, which uh, had a different title. But we more appropriately titled this, uh, Finding Confidence to Explore New Services. Mm-hmm. And... This is um, relevant to both people who, one, don't have any clients and need to explore a a service to sell um, or 
already have clients and are doing some some of their own um, R and D research and development and trying to add to their to their service portfolio. Uh, whether you're doing um, you know SEO and you want to branch out to paid ads, or you're doing paid ads and you want to branch out to like social or some other platform. Um, yeah. So I think the I thought this one was fun, and I think it's cool because we can talk about both crowds and both people. The first one being uh, the the people I relate to a little bit more, the listeners, the not action takers, the not yet, you know, I'm still planning. I'm not ready yet. I'm not prepared. That sort of thing, which we've talked about before, but go into a little, go into it a little bit more as to how you can actually make the jump. But I I wanted to ask first, before we even did that, um, what you thought, Jake, and, and how, when you get to a position where you're starting to think about it and you don't feel like, I think this is probably one of the more common thoughts is, I don't know enough about the things I don't know to have the confidence to go into this and, you know, offer it as a service because there's too many adjacent surrounding things that are beyond my knowledge. So if that's the case, well, one, did you feel that when you started Evergrow? Two, how, you know, what, how can you fix it? How do you go about improving it and building that sort of confidence? So you do feel okay making that jump. Yeah. Um, good question, Cody. Thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked, I I think we talked a little bit about this in episode six and maybe episode, uh, four, uh, or five. And it, it was about kind of what services to offer and then also finding your first clients. Um, really the first five to six episodes is, is really uh, co- really covered this a lot, but um, if you're asking me, I'll, I'll just kind of recap what I what I did. So I wasn't confident in literally anything I was doing. I had some experience in some SEO, which is what I was going to offer. I just noticed that there were a lot of local businesses around me who hadn't even claimed their Google Business profile, and that's just like so foundational. And this was back in the days where, like, if your Google one Google Business profile was called Google My Business, and it also showed you if a business owner, if a business hadn't claimed it yet, because it would have, do you own this business? Where now it says that on every single profile, whether it's owned or not. But before in 2017, it only showed that on profiles that weren't claimed. And that that was like a primary target for me. I knew exactly who to go after. The problem is, is uh, I could have just started reaching out and claiming those, I, but I didn't know the process. So like, I didn't know what kind of ownership access I needed. I didn't know whether it was better to have them like claim it by giving them the steps or it was better for me to claim it. But if I'm the primary owner, can I transfer ownership? Like what's the best and cleanest way to do this? And these are a lot of the questions that we ask ourselves when we get into new, new mediums too, is we don't want to offer a service and then all of a sudden just, you know, be road bump after road bump after road bump. And suddenly we've got a bad perception of our services. So what I, what I started to do was actually offer this for free and not even to my industry. I just wanted to know the process. So I started offering it for free or reaching out to like local churches who hadn't claimed their profile um, and doing that for free, almost as like a community thing. And I got one to like talk to me and sit down with me about it, but they never took any action. Fortunately, my brother was a pastor at a church in, um, in actually Mason City, Iowa, and 
I was able to go through the process. Wait, we with get this. dumplings? Yes. Is it the same place? Yes. Same what? place. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. I didn't know. I had no idea. Uh, like, that's the only reason I think about Mason City is when we get dumplings together. But. Yeah, Co- uh, Cody is in Iowa City. I'm in Minneapolis, and and um, Mason City is like the halfway point in Iowa that we meet up, and we usually get dumplings at a Thai restaurant. There, overpriced dumplings, but they're yeah, very good. Very so over- we do it anyway. <laughs> uh but um yeah so he had a church there and and um he allowed me all that access to to claim and optimize that and and learn that process so while i was doing it i kind of like somewhat documented it and i was i was then confident to start doing this for for clients but the unique thing is i never actually did it for any clients i just kind of like it was like okay i know this process but the whole purpose of that was to do that at a one time price of like 200 bucks i think like 200 to 250 like i'll claim and optimize this and that's it like you don't got to worry about it again and i was like if i can do like four of those i'll have a thousand dollars and that was huge for me at the time to be able to pay down debt and just you know live and and survive uh you know more fruitfully um but so you, had, have a, you didn't know how to do that, right? Like you, no, you knew zero when it came no, to. Actually I knew it needed. To, I knew it needed to be done. Yeah, because we worked at the agency together, uh, right. and like I was in a client manager or client um, services role, so I wasn't actually doing the marketing execution. I was just kind of handling the face to face client interaction. So I didn't. I, I knew what needed to be done. I just didn't know like how to do it. So, did you have any hesitation? Even just tr- like trying that, even though you did it for free, did you have any self doubt? Did you have anybody who told you, "Hey, you can do this"? Like, or did it's mm. just like an innate nature thing that you felt that you could do it? You believed so, in yourself. <laughs> so I didn't have any self doubt in this because it was a free service that had no cost of goods sold. So I wasn't managing anybody's money. It didn't cost other people money to claim this or do it. Um, and as long as I was honest and truthful that like, yeah, I'm going to hand this over to you in a timely manner, then I wasn't fearing any other kind of repercussions. Like I was holding their business profile hostage or, you know, taking, I was like, Hey, this is just being honest. And like, if they didn't want to work with me, that's fine. I don't lose anything other than the opportunity for the experience. So I was fortunate that my brother was, you know, obviously he's my brother. So he trusts me to handle things and I was able to do it in a, in a really clean way. And then when I got my first client um, in like, so I mentioned this before, but it took me six months to get my first client. They lasted two months and then I didn't get another client for 10 months. Um, when I got my first client, I was able to do that Google business profile stuff immediately and, you know, kind of flawlessly. Now they only lasted two months because, um, well, they're out of business now. So it, I, I think that, um, that, and I also went to, market, <laughs> I, I went, I went to market. Your first few clients where you're like, hey, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if they're going to be in business for a while, but that's okay. Yeah, you just take on anyone you can get for the experience, really. But I, well, I went to market uh, initially with just SEO services. The problem with doing that is that I found was it's a long haul service. And but it's a high margin and you're not managing anybody's money. So the only thing that you would ever be out is just future revenue. You're not going to have to pay anything back, um, especially if you set up your contracts that way or if you're post pay, for instance, like I was. I was like, I'll do the work and then you pay me. Um, and it was it's very SEO is a very low risk service if you're not engaging in like black hat tactics and things like that. So 
Um, that relationship didn't last very long. It's part of the reason why I wanted to partner up with you so bad is because of your expertise in Google ads and being able to provide that immediate return on investment where they can complement the SEO services. Um, but to, to that point, and I've been ranting forever, but to that point, like I offered, when I started offering SEO, I offered literally everything. I started on a Wix website because I wasn't confident enough to start building WordPress websites, which I did find a friend at church who owned a landscaping company who did let me take the reins on that and build his new website on WordPress. And I learned that way um, to, to kind of build some confidence. And then um, as far as like the other services, I, on my Wix website, I had like everything. I had Facebook ads, Instagram ads, which is the same thing. Reddit, Twitter, LinkedIn. I was like, dude, I don't care what it is. I'm going to figure out how to do it. and I'm going to offer it. Did I sell any of those? No. <laughs> I like that though. I think, uh, do you think having it be your brother was advantageous and helpful in any way? Or do you think it was a crutch? I thought it was advantageous. If you're getting experience, um, absolutely. And, and, and if, if your goal is to like learn the process, it definitely advantageous. It doesn't have to be your brother either. It could be like a friend that, you know, has, any kind of business or any kind of poll within some kind of location that has, you know, that is doing that service or something or not doing that service. Wait, ask me, ask me, ask me. <laughs> Cody, um, what is the question? I don't remember uh, <laughs> how I phrased it. It was like, how do you go about offering a new service and building the confidence when you feel like you don't know the surrounding, if that's your hang up, if the hang up is I'm, I'm worried because I don't feel confident enough to offer this as a service because there's still too much adjacent to this that I don't know. Because like, that, that happened with us, right? When it came to websites, we didn't want to do websites at first. We mm -hmm. just wanted to do marketing. And then we realized, oh, uh, with this market, we, we kind of need to offer websites as well or, or it's not gonna go, going to go very well. Then in addition to that was emails <laughs> and then getting into emails and figuring out how to Not set email up. marketing, just right, setting right. up emails, just the function and the logistics of, uh, having working email accounts and addresses, uh, because those are tied to websites and we didn't know any of that. <laughs> I, I built websites, um, and you said, you know, you had done some too. So that wasn't completely new, but the, the email thing, especially all I had done was Google workspace. So I knew enough about that. Um, and actually that's what we recommend now anyway, if they're not using an existing uh, sort of email outlook or something like that, we'd say, Hey, workspace is probably the best way to go. If you're already familiar with Gmail and that sort of thing, but we had to, we had to grow into that. And I think maybe if you had told me, that we had to do that before we got started. I think at the time, maybe I wouldn't have had the confidence to maybe it would have been too overwhelming to think that, Oh, I have to do that too. Like, I don't know if I can, I don't know how, and maybe that would have backed me out. So I think why, why, like why, why does it matter whether you know, why, whether, whether you need to, you know, you learn beforehand versus, you know, when you're put into a position where you feel like you need to learn it. I don't know how to describe it exactly. I think it's the, you know, that sink or swim feel. I've had it a few times in business now at this point where. <laughs> in this get, business, particularly. 
you get in over your head, right? You get in, you agree to stuff that you you have to do, right? I guess you don't have to. Maybe that's another thing too, is you you don't. You don't ever have to do any of it. You can back out. But when you have people relying on you and people who have agreed um, to work with you in this way, I think for me, that's one of the biggest things is you need, you need like mid pressure. You don't need high pressure because high pressure is too much. When you're not like high pressure situation, then I'm a panicker. So I'll just panic and be like, ah, I'm out. Nope. This is too much for me. I can't do this. Um, and then if things are too low, that's not good either. I think the perfect example I think of when, with something like that is when I tell people I went back to school for Japanese and I say, I'm, you know, I'm paying college tuition again. They're like, oh, wow. Like, I would never. <laughs> that sounds so expensive. Why would you do that? Like, I would just learn it myself. And I say, would you? Uh, no. Would you actually? If you just bought a book? and Because you, you can. You're not wrong. But that's, there's that's nothing why to I, hold you accountable there. Yeah, that's why I started doing... Um... I started uh, Spanish, uh, going to school for Spanish because, like, yeah, I could just open up Duolingo and just, you know, start learning Spanish or I could be put into a course that actually, you know, people actually teach me on like a very structured way. And I, I was when we started the course, like the first three weeks, I was like light years ahead of everybody because I'd been doing Duolingo for like three months, like very regularly and um, and not just like five minutes a day. I'm talking like 30 minutes a day. And, but then by like week four, I was like, oh, okay, we're learning new things. <laughs> I was like, like, and then like, there's like a lot of things you don't learn in those apps and like in those books, like just, um, you know, metaphors and, and, um, expressions and, um, even like basic grammar things. Yeah. So you think signing up and giving people money is one way to do it? Cause I think, I think two things. One is not just, everybody, a- not just anybody money. <laughs> reputable stores. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, um, but I think having a, a support group of sorts, like being surrounded by the right people so that you are built up to do it. And then also having some sort of agreement in any, sh- any shape or form. If it's like, if it comes to services, then I think written agreements are good. I'm not saying contracts necessarily. I'm just saying something that holds you accountable to each other. That way you can't just back out or slide out. You see that a lot of times with family businesses, right? Where people show an interest in doing some sort of family business and you talk about it, but nothing ever materializes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think if you're serious about it, then you you show the signs that you're serious about it too. Not just for the other people, but for yourself. Because if you want, if you want it to be serious, that old mentor said this a lot and I really liked it. I don't know if I've said it here before, but... If you treat something like a hobby, it pays like a hobby, right? And what do hobbies mm-hmm. make you? They don't. You lose money on hobbies. So if you want to, if you want to make how, money in business, know, treat it how like do you a know business. That, how do you know that you're treating it like a hobby versus you're treating it like a job? Like at what point is it no longer, you know, at what point do you, are you like, okay, this is definitely like serious because like I, I didn't earn any money, like any serious money for like three, two, three years. That's true. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that, to me, that's the the building part. Sometimes you have the, I don't know how to describe them, the very hardcore entrepreneurs who think, ah, those people are never going to go anywhere. Like, just give them time, man. Like, maybe they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't grow up in the same situation and circumstances as you. They don't have the same confidence. They don't have the same. 
I don't know how or why it happens. It's different for everybody, but you know, some people need two years to just incubate until they can get to a mental space where they do have the courage to believe in themselves and take these risks and actually, you know, pursue business in some shape or form. So. No, I mean, I, I like that. I think, and there's like a lot of, there's a lot to say about the confidence that you exude when you're first starting out too. And and even now um, when you're closing sales, but there's a lot of people who are kind of expressing a lot of false confidence in order to get sales. But then like, you have to realize you have to deliver on those services too. And so I think you should only be expressing the confidence that you have in the execution of the services that you're going to have. And in a lot of cases, if you're contracting those services out too, and you're not the one that's executing them, then you probably shouldn't be selling with as much confidence as you you have. uh, You don't know how to (laughs) execute them. So a, a lot of this is like, it's really important for you to get out there and actually learn the service that you're going to be executing or that you're hiring out to execute. And there's a lot of free resources out there. Like if you want to learn Facebook ads, you don't have to spend money to learn ads. You can take meta blue meta's blueprint um, free course on how to run ads. And then you can run ads for free after that for somebody and on just ad spend alone. And then you can actually use it in practice. Same thing with Google ads. Google has free ads courses. Um, I guarantee you any other platform, LinkedIn, I'm sure they have free. I, I've never taken a free LinkedIn ad course, but I'm sure they do. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, so it really learn. And, and I mean, this is the thing that I talked with Marcus about, like, you can't, you can't get clients right now. You've got to learn the service. Even if you're going to hire those services out and like subcontract them out, you still need to know how to do it mm-hmm. um, or else you're not going to have a successful business. And, and, you know, it goes along with what you say a lot, which is, um, there's a difference between like making money and running a business. And one of those is going to make you a lot more money in the long run. Um, so uh, what the, do you think the first the, part? Good. I got a question. You cool with it? I wanted to ask. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think this differs when you're already established, but you're looking at new services? Maybe. Okay. Maybe, I'm not so okay with are, this question, actually. Because <laughs> that's the second part of the episode. <laughs> so the uh, first okay, part. Okay, right. Take okay, it back. Okay. Take it back. I didn't say it. Bring well, it back. I'll just, I'll run through the things that I have real quick. It kind of a recap, but also a couple of new nuggets. Um, so if you don't have clients and you want to offer new services or you want to find confidence to explore those new services, um, you can uh, listen to episode six. And in episode six, we talk about offering your services at a discounted rate and also being honest about your experience. So if you don't have the experience in executing those services, you can do a discounted rate or free. Um, if you're doing an ad spend or paid media focus service, don't do it completely free. Like do it free management and then just the ad spend. Um, so just charge them the ad spend to get the, uh, uh, to, so yeah, you're not dipping spend into their own. money for free. Yeah. Don't just work for free. Don't spend their, don't pay for their ad spend. Also, if you're, if you're getting, if, um, if you've already taken those ad courses and you know roughly how to do it and they're hiring you at that discounted rate and you're honest about your experience, you already know more than them because if they're honest about your experience and offering it at a discounted rate, that means they haven't even taken those courses, which means you are by default more knowledgeable in the platform than them. And that's what they're paying for. Um, the fact that you're more knowledgeable. It's also a really good thing to point out. I always say this all the time. Uh, with new entrepreneurs, it's not your job to know the answers. It's your job to find the answers. And as soon as you can internalize that, you'll be way more confident in, in 
pushing back the imposter syndrome than ever before. So um, if you don't know an answer to something, that's totally okay. They're paying you to find the answer. Mm. Um, episode 11 has a, is a really good episode about focusing on relationships rather than transactions. So when you're first starting out, you have to focus on relationships. You can't just be transactional and say, here's my price, take it or leave it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not going to give you the time of day unless you're willing to, you know, pay the money. You can't do that at this stage. You I mean, you might, if you're a good salesperson, you, you absolutely can. It's just, I don't think your client's going to stick around for very long. If one, you don't know how to execute the service. And two, there's too many roadblocks in the way of you actually doing that. So um, listen to episode 11. And, um, just make sure that you're, you're really focusing on those relationships. Um, the last part I had about this was using written agreements, which actually kind of coincides with some of what you are saying too, um, yeah. in your, in your next point here. So in written agreements, you can just specify the duration that you're going to offer those services at a discounted or free rate. Because if you say you're just going to do this for free off the bat and they're not going to know when that ends. If you have extreme success with it in month one and you didn't put a duration on it, it's going to be a lot harder to get them to pay the full price after in month two. So set, you know, I think when we usually do it, we say we'll offer a discounted rate at this or no management fee for this for three months. After that three month period, we'll assess how it is. And then we'll, uh, you know, either not offer the service or, um, you know, bump it up to its full, its full rate. Yeah, it depends on the service. Sometimes we'll walk it up too, where we'll say, look, first month's free. Next one's 50%, right? By month three, your full price, that sort of thing. But you have to make sure that you're giving it enough time to become successful because we've also had it too where we get to month two. It's just not looking good, right? We need more time Mm -hmm. to sort it out and figure it out. And then in that case, you just, you go back and you you talk to them about it, right? I mean, there's... Those uh, local service ads for us. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big (laughs) flop. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to this and you do do offer local service ads as a as a service um, in your niche, just be aware that it's it's extremely different in every niche um, mm-hmm. and every market. So, if you're getting like a really good cost per lead in like roofing or like locksmiths or something, mm-hmm. and you come over to the landscaping industry, totally different. Also, extremely different in uh, different markets. So we had. Uh, well, we had like Texas clients doing really well in it. And then we had mm-hmm. Florida clients just doing awful in it. And yep. so it, it totally depend on the market. Um, and then also like the, I don't know if it's still this way, but the reviews you get for the LSAs are not, they don't correlate to your Google business reviews either. So it's like, right. if you, if you funnel reviews to those, yeah, you, you'll pay, you can pay a lower cost per lead, but then like your SEO is impacted because you're not getting the review there. Yeah. So it's just that was um, a weird one. I remember going that was one that we went into and I remember thinking I've looked at this like once, right? Like <laughs> I I know that this has worked for many people and I have some experience in here, but a lot of this is uh a lot of googling and stuff. I say it a lot to the minions where when we run into a new thing, it's the first thing that I say is you know as much as I do. Like the second we get to a point where we are now at the same level of knowledge i just say it. i'm like you know as much as i do here from I this hundred percent of the time they don't believe you they're just like <laughs> uh-uh, that's not true like no no no, you literally do no it's the truth right i mean and then you're just like uh okay now let's google let's let's <laughs> figure it out let's click on everything that's clickable here and so you just get we, that sort of confidence to do that 
we stopped offering that because in, in the landscaping niche, if you've got like a $250 local service ad budget and your, your cost per lead is like 120 bucks, which in some cases it is. And even more than that, and Google can't provide you two leads, you get no leads that month. So then do we still charge the management fee for getting no leads? Like it was just kind of like, ah, nah, this isn't probably a service we want to run. So what instead we do is we coach people to set them up on them, set them up themselves Mm-hmm. and then run it internally. And just by us saying that, being honest about that, uh, it really speaks to the other services that we offered um, instead. But, mm-hmm. okay, um, Mr. Ansi Pants, I am done with my <laughs> my spiel on if you don't have clients, how to gain confidence in offering services. So um, now we can continue to the second part of the podcast episode, which I'll let you lead with. Cool. Yeah, so this is this is the second crowd. This is the people who do move fast, move fast, and maybe break things, where they have they have branched in, or they have a successful service, but it could be that they're making money, but they aren't yet running a business. They had luck; they hit one home run, and they are, you know, it's working. They've got something going on. They're making some money. They're able to think that they, you know, are seeing some. Because they are seeing seeing success, but it's very T shaped and, um, sorry, not T shaped. It's just very down the middle, and it's not broadened out yet, so it's very volatile and not stable. So L shaped, no I shaped I, yeah, but not like a capital one, like maybe. Oh man, letters are weird. Yeah. It's very pipe shaped. <laughs> it's like an arrow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have to get... <laughs> With but the feathers or without the feathers? <laughs> it's just no and no arrowhead. It's really just a line. Uh, yeah, I'm lost. I don't know where I was going. <laughs> You're talking about people who found like a lot of success in like one service and uh, just yeah, like, yeah. You, you know, you know, drove that into the ground. So maybe they're at this point just rapid firing in many directions, trying to see if they can get something to work uh, or maybe not. Maybe they know. I did get this to work. I need to get something else to work. So that adds some stability to the business, but I don't know how I don't know how to branch into a new service because maybe I got lucky. Maybe I knew this one especially well, and I'm scared to go into the next one. What do you say to them? Um, do what we did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, find, um, we, we would like, if we wanted to branch into a new service, we found, uh, we were like, hey, we want to offer this, but like, who do we who do we do it for? And um, we would go through our list of the clients that we have a good relationship with. Again, episode eleven, chase relationships, not money. And we would say, hey, um, you know, so and so, we really want to offer this service, but um, we haven't explored it before, and we're not about to sell a service that we don't have a documented process for. So we want to test it with you. Um, and here's what we're offering. And if it's a if it's a free management fee with just the ad spend, usually they're pretty open to it, um, especially if the ad spend is low enough. So if they're already paying us, um, you know, a thousand bucks a month, five hundred dollars in ad spend, five hundred dollars in management. And uh, by the way, if you think that's low, you should go check out episode what like thirty something with Skyler. Um, mm, I, I yeah. can't remember which one thirty or it might be like forty two. I can't remember. Um, on building a seven figure agency with $500 clients. But besides the fact, so like that's our management fee and that's our ad spend that are already paying us that then we might offer, uh, another service, like another paid medium. So one that we started to explore was next door ads. 
um, because it it it, it's presumably decent in this niche if you can do it correctly. Um, But would say, hey, for only five hundred dollars, we'll execute this. We'll run ads for you because they're already they've already expressed interest in it and they've already kind of um, spent some money in it on their own. Um, And if you don't know any next door ads, it's really weird. (laughs) They uh, they offer an ad service platform for business owners and they also offer a separate ad service platform for agencies and franchises. And you have to go through a rep for that. So they already create this like division that doesn't allow basic business owners to do the ad delivery that agencies can do, which is weird, but also good for us. Um, but the uh, that was it's kind of the proposal. Because this was a lot. Yeah, yeah, this was like two years ago, so like it could it could be different now. But um, but uh, we vetted. We didn't just vet our clients on who to offer this to. We we looked at the ones who were um, large enough to be able to add more money to the marketing budget you know, in this case, just ad spend. We looked at people we had a good relationship with and we looked at people who we think would express interest in this particular service or who have expressed interest in this service before. And we found a couple of them. We were like, hey, we want to test this. Both responded positively, but we only wanted to do one at a time. Uh, we didn't want to overburden ourselves because if we do this, we have to take time away from, you know, working out our clients and internal stuff to focus on this. Um, and um ultimately it, i mean the project got put on hold because mm-hmm. because we exploded at the beginning of 2023 and um i sent him an email and was like hey i know we wanted to do this um but we can't sacrifice working on our existing clients for our services that are already working and our their paid services and they were totally cool with that so um did that answer your question yeah these are a little rhetorical too right because I'm, I'm looking at the notes that we said but, <laughs> but I've got it's a, my own stuff to to kind of poke in if I, I feel like it's missing or lacking. But uh, the only thing I I think that's good and useful to add is so you use that uh, you use that experience to define the boundaries of your new service offering. So what I do is when we're looking at something new and exploring something new and it's the first time with everything, I open up a Google Meet. And I record myself. I do a screen share. I talk through as I'm doing it at the same time. And I do it for, well, for the team, for the minions to be able to reference, but also myself, because they're going to be things that I forget later on that, you know, so for example, creating a new Google ads account. If you don't have one and you don't have an agency account, I don't, I don't even know what that look, I can't off the top of my head, think of what that looks like. Because every time I make an account now, it's in a manager account. So if you go to sign up for a brand new one, I don't know what to tell you. I would need to mm. record that process and go through it again. So I, yeah. when you start exploring new services too, you're going to run into that. So it's important not to miss those sorts of things. I think it, there's no downside, especially if you have Google Workspace, right? You have, geez, how much space? It's insane how much storage space you have. It's like 10 terabytes per user or something. You can do some selfie recording videos with screen shares and you have plenty of space to do it. So, And how much does Google Workspace cost? It's the, it's the single best investment you can make in a business. This is the truth. It costs at a minimum. The cheapest plan is six bucks per month per user. And you get, what don't you get? I mean, Google is already <laughs> great for free. And then you pay for the, the paid premium features and... Yeah, you get tons of great stuff. I mean, 
just for email alone to have a professional email that works within Gmail. Um, yeah. Google workspaces work. Like worth mine, it. which Jake at evergreenmarketing.com is a Gmail email. Mm. Um, but I, I really like the, the storage is awesome because we get like eight terabytes per user. And uh, I like all this podcast recording. I just dump into the shared, the shared, the Evergrow drive. Um, and I, I'm sure eventually we'll get podcast drives, but um, like a Jake at Evergrow, podcast.com or something. But mm-hmm. um, even like personal stuff, like I went to my uh, sister's graduation in Tampa and all my family took photos. And then so like I just popped up in a folder in our Evergrow drive and I was like, here, place all your photos in here because <laughs> everybody wanted a shared folder. And I'm like, I don't have time to to figure out where to dump these. I'm like, here's a drive folder. So here's a fun fact about uh, VPNs and traveling abroad is I had Google One up until very recently, which has a VPN. It includes a VPN, but it's not a VPN where you can change your location. I used to use ExpressVPN. And there have been so many websites while I'm in Japan that I haven't been able to access that I just this week pulled the trigger and got rid of Google One and switched back to ExpressVPN because it's mandatory. I think I'm figuring out like lots of those things that this year has been a big travel year for us in general. And I think it'll continue to be. And as the business and our team gets more international too. We're going to have to start figuring out like the most optimal ways to work with that. So that was, that was a unique thing I didn't think was going to happen, but. So I'm uh, VPN stupid. Like I, I've never used a VPN. I think the mm. closest thing to a VPN I've used is like vtunnel.com in high school to, yeah. to bypass all the blocked sites. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, do you just use it to access the to access sites that you can't access that are region locked? So what a lot of just consumers, if you're just a normal consumer person and not business oriented. So one very simple one is if you just want to use public Wi-Fi or something, but you want your stuff to be secure, encrypted, then people will go through a VPN to do that. Probably the next year is consumers who are like, I want to watch this on Netflix, but it's not available in this country. So I have to spoof my address, my IP, mm-hmm. so I can watch this region lock thing. <laughs> we uh, couldn't watch, we couldn't watch, um, uh, My Hero Academia in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> like, that's one where you, it would, it'd work if you had a VPN. But for me, what uh, was I doing? I was trying to pay some bills. I think it was progressive. Just my auto insurance, and oh. yeah, couldn't do it. Wouldn't weird. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. So like, okay, back to the VPN we go. Who region locks things at the government? I don't. This is beyond me. Oh. You know as much as I do. There you go. Right <laughs> there it is, <laughs> bringing it full circle. <laughs> I feel like we need an Evergrow VPN though, like a. Like a like a secure thing, that's next. That's next level. That's next level business stuff. Networks, network administration, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, yeah. Internet get into. Mm-hmm. That's like right alongside email, because when you use Google Workspace, all that stuff's you know integrated. Ah, okay, we were. Yeah, I, I was like, what? The, what were we talking about? Google Workspace. 
So yeah, so six bucks a month per user. You also get so you get um some fancy Google Meet features too. So I can always just send Google Meet links to people, and um, there's a lot. Like I don't know if you can. Is there a free version of Google Meet? No, it's just Google. Um, Google Meet. There might be free. I think the recordings, and then there's a limit on users. So once you go up to, so the the twelve bucks a month per user has shared drives, and that was important for us. And I think once you get a team, shared drives are really beneficial. So mm-hmm. it's worth it there. We also use Google Voice, which is handy. Um, but it's not, it's an additional fee on top of Google, uh, Google Workspace. But still, um, you, we're deep in the Google Aid, though. Yeah, you can meet up to 60 minutes per meeting for the free version of Google Meet, which our meetings tend to go over that, especially these, these episodes. But mm. um yeah, so yeah, the the shared drive, I think that was why we jumped and then there was just a bunch of other goodies in there that were like this is neat. Um so also all of our documentation and processes went over from um Dropbox over to uh Google uh drive folders. So um we started setting that up for other businesses too. So we did it for us and then other businesses were like, "Hey, we need a we need an email." And we're like, "Well, we can give you the whole Google suite. Uh we'll show you how to do it." And then offered that as a productized service. Yeah. And Google's hardcore about security, right? So you, as a, an administrator, enforce two-factor for everything. It's good. You can feel good about it. Yeah. Uh, did we have anything else? I feel like we kind of got off topic a little bit there, but I also feel like at the same time, we covered everything we needed to. Yeah. That's all I got. Oh, um, I, I did have um, uh, something to, to note too. I was reading one of your comments in here which was uh, put yourself in mid pressure situations. So like if you, if you have enough, um, so you feel the pressure, but you're not scared of failure that you won't even start. So that was your note. Um, I'm going to interpret that and say that if people are asking for a particular service, that's a really good indicator that maybe you should test it out or try it out. And it's, it's not like high pressure where you have to do it, but it is mid pressure enough to where, Hey, if people are, if, if your clients are asking for this service, there's a good opportunity that they're either looking for that service elsewhere as well, or that someone can sneak in and offer that service. Um, and if that person sneaks in and offers that service, but also offers your service as well, then it opens up the door of opportunity for people to leave you to then go, you know, do a one-stop shop. Um, and so I do consider that kind of like a mid pressure situation where if you do get asked that a lot, you know, maybe you should consider offering that. Um, and test it out. It also builds your relationship. If someone comes to you and says they want to do that and you're like, I don't do that, but you're like, I'm willing to test it out with you. Um, then I think that could uh, be a relationship builder in itself. Mm-hmm. That's always weird and hard when you're not fully confident in it yet and you just don't know how to deal with it. But like the best thing you could do is just be honest. Say, <laughs> I do that. I fully level with people all the time. If they ask me something and I say, I don't know. Like, I have no clue. Or it, it might work, but I can't tell you anything confidently right now. We can give it a shot, but I can't make any promises. And, you know, the some people get spooked by it, and that's fine, right? Then it's maybe not the best match, but some people just appreciate the honesty. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was going to say, I think people do respect that a lot. So then it just shows you're not to get their money. You're, they're there to make sure you provide a successful or a, a service that's mutually profitable. Mm-hmm. And it's very rarely worth the money. 
I can't think of any situations <laughs> where anytime, whenever you ask that, you have to question that. Is this worth the money? The answer is pretty much always no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, is it worth the money to offer the service and then have them leave or wait, is what worth the money? Um, Just while you're going through the, okay, no, I, sh- I shouldn't say that because especially early on, you just feel anxiety, not because you have a good sense of the the business and the service. You just feel anxiety because it's new. That's different. That's a different kind of anxiety. But once you kind mm. of get in the swing of things and you know, like you get a bad feeling about a client, like a gut feeling, that sort of thing. That's kind of what I meant of if you're not sure, you feel hesitant, that sort of thing. Sometimes, usually, pretty much always, <laughs> it's not worth it. But I... I'm not the, that's why I need a partner too, because if it were up to me all the time, I would say no too often. And that's not, I'm like backtracking on what I said. I'm like, ah, listen to your gut. It's usually right. <laughs> but, uh, how, how do you Here's say, that? How do you say that you sometimes your gut is right because it usually is when it comes to those things. But if you're just hesitant about doing business so that you always give an excuse for yourself that that's a dumb thing to do and that you should just say yes, because uh, you have to believe in yourself. Like that's a very complicated. If, if, you, if you're, if you're afraid of failing on your own, right. Then you shouldn't believe that feeling. If you're afraid of failing because a client is being difficult, then I think that's a different feeling. I think that's like, that's like, okay, let's trust your gut because in, when you have outside influence, on something that's not up to you. But if you don't have outside influence on a decision that you want to make, such as testing out a new service, um, then that's on you. And I, I think you should, you should push for it. Um, as long as you are willing to learn. Yeah. This sort of nuance and, is hard to explain. It's much easier to just be the Gary V and be like, sleep four hours. You can do anything. <laughs> Believe in yourself. Work hard. You can, it's fine. You can do anything with authenticity. If you don't have dreams, then you're dead. I don't know what he says. Like, I, I really don't know any of that stuff anymore. I've, so I've been, I've been, um, seeing him a lot more in my timeline. And usually I'm like a big Gary V hater, not because I think anything he says is like wrong. I just, I just think a lot of the stuff he says is, um, I don't know, catering, uh, pandering. Oh. Um, he's, and, got the, he's got the full crowd now, right? He's everybody. Yeah, well, well, yeah. There, but there's a lot that he's saying that um, I, I I do agree with. Um, especially when he talks about authenticity. The only reason why I hate him talking about authenticity is because I don't think his followers even know what that means, and not and not in like a way, not in like a mean way, not in a way that's like you don't know what the word means. I just don't think people know how to be authentic, hmm. and I. But I and I, I honestly think like us being authentic, our authentic selves is causing us to get negative reviews. <laughs> and so, well, but at the same time, like our listenership is skyrocketing. Like, so like, that's fine. Like that's a trade off that we have to play. But at the same time, like, how do we be, how do we still be our authentic selves, but also, um, you know, not upset or offend, um, you know, or alienate a segment of our listeners. Mm-hmm. So that is a side rant, but <laughs> it's heavy stuff. It's heavy stuff. That's not easy to, it's much easier to just not talk about and not share because it's just, it's, it's easier to just not have a podcast. I mean, we don't, we don't have to worry about that. You know, we... uh, that's it. Uh, true. So. All right, guys, I think that was a, that was a good episode, cool. but, um, but yeah, 
All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya. 